Where the hell have you been, soldier? Training, sir! Training, sir! What kind of training, son? Pizza training, sir! All right, welcome to Drew and Sam Talk Training, another exciting episode. I am Sam with Fowler Consulting. And I am Drew with Better Than Yesterday Consulting. Hey, Drew, on this episode, we are once again joined by three-time New York Times bestselling author, author of 13 books, five times. Why are you underselling, Sam? Right off the bat, underselling. It's obvious that I am not the journalist on this episode, uh, but welcome to the podcast, John U. Bacon, five-time New York Times bestseller. Thank you very much, Sam. I appreciate that. I'm sure my agent appreciates it also. So thank you. That's awesome. So, John, we had you on uh, before and we we talked about your now in its second printing uh, book, Let Them Lead, which is a real page turner. Uh, just a great story about you and leading the your alma mater, the Huron River Rats. And in your words from your podcast, no, we're not making that up. And uh, we just wanted to touch base with you and see how things have been going and um, talk some more about leadership. No, sounds good. And. Crucial part is the Ann Arbor here on River Rats. I've spoken for Domino's twice, thanks to you, uh, the franchisees, that is. Super. So uh, so speaking of your here on River Rats and hockey, uh, Drew was going to jump right into this and, and talk about everybody's favorite hockey team, unless you're from Michigan. Drew, hit us off here. Sam, you can't you can't keep me up like that. Yes, I can. But but give me a second. Let me let me help it out. So a 97 year franchise has their best. 30 game start in franchise history. And the only thing they really changed was the head coach. So John, are the New York Rangers good? They are better. We can say that better than yesterday. <laughs> would be a phrase I would use. How about that one? See what it is day right there, Drew. That's nice. That's nice. Look, I mean, honestly, if you are running the New York Rangers or a Domino's franchise and it's underperforming, the easiest fix to change, of course, um, is to uh, change the leadership uh, as opposed to all the employees. So it's amazing what, even average or mediocre or below that employees will do with strong leadership. So you definitely have to start there. Um, at the NHL level, the difference between the players is not that great in the NBA, the NHL, the NFL, because of the draft and salary caps and parity scheduling and so on. They try to keep it all within a certain band, right? Franchisees don't have to do that, of course. You can get whether well, the you know different companies, of course, and we've seen the good and the bad and the ugly across the board in franchisees. Yes, there are better franchisees than others in terms of companies you want to sign on with. But even within Domino's, I would say that uh, leadership, I mean, look at the 20-year-olds are 20-year-olds by and large. So who's leading them? And that is where you'll find the difference as a rule. So when you talk about finding that difference in leadership and a 20-year-old is a 20-year-old, which I completely agree with, you know, if we go back to, to let them lead and you were talking about not not picking who the best player is and spending time with them, but uh, a phrase you used in the book, watering all the plants. How important do you think that is in today's leadership, especially when we're talking about a much shallowed labor pool? And I don't think it's something to do with this generation is worse than the previous generation. You know, you speak about that as well, that that's been going on for hundreds, if not thousands of years. I think today's situation with employees is it's a numbers game. There's just simply not enough. So once you get them, 
that leadership becomes so important. So tell us about watering all the plants and what that means and, and how you used that in your time with the Ann Arbor River Rats. Sure. The um, phrase I hear a lot, and I know you guys do as well, when we talk to anybody in business nowadays, you know, this generation is different. They don't want to work hard. They're entitled. They're soft. They want to pat on the back for everything they do. The list is long and frankly, all too familiar, right? So I put up a quote, as you guys saw, and it says, uh, this generation lacks respect for the elders. They don't get up. They don't stand up in the room. When uh, you enter the room, um, they want luxury and convenience, not exercise. And they uh, basically, they put their teachers through hell. They're tyrants. And I say, okay, who said this? And the answer is Socrates, about 2,500 years ago. <laughs> so <laughs> that's about 2,000 years before Columbus came to America. So this problem is not new. And I guarantee you, my parents' generation complained about my generation in the exact same terms, more or less. And so go ahead and complain about the generation. And you're not entirely wrong. I get it. The behaviors have changed in some important ways. I get it. I teach at the University of Michigan. I've seen the, seen the change. But so what? Once I hear anybody, a coach, a teacher, or a boss, start complaining about this generation, I think, okay, that's a loser talk. And you know the other franchise is going to kill you because they'll figure out a way to motivate them. The first thing you got to do is get to know your people. If you don't know their names, their last names, if you don't know when they started working at your franchise, you don't celebrate that anniversary uh, every six months or a year or whatever else, you're going to lose them. That's one thing. Second thing is you set the standards high. People are very afraid to do that today. They're afraid, oh, it's going to scare them off. They'll scare off the wimps. They won't scare off the ones who, who want to challenge. So you raise the bar as high as you can to scary levels. We're going to be the best franchise in the state, et cetera. Um, that inspires the right people. It even will inspire those at the bottom of the rung, which was where my team was. We were the worst team in America. And I said, we're, we're going to be the hardest working team in the state of Michigan. And we were. And even though the workouts were summer and fall and entirely voluntary by state law, I can't make you come. Not one player quit. They started telling all their friends. The team expanded during the hardest workouts in the state, despite being the worst team in America. So high standards will definitely get them going. With that, you have to give a lot back. What do I give back? Sammy already said it. I water all the plants. I care about all of them. I know all of them. And we work with all of them. You don't just work with your, your top salespeople, your top drivers, your top pizza makers, and so on. Uh, you work with all of them. And I don't know who's going to grow or how high or when or how fast. But I know this. If you only water the stars and the regulars, the other ones aren't going to grow. Got to water all the plants, and you don't know when they're going to sprout, but they will. They will have faith. Uh, one of my players graduated from the University of Michigan at age 35 or so. So you just never know uh, when things are going to kick in. And uh, as long after I coached him, he was a great player for us. I liked him very much. We're still in touch. Um, but those things right there are the big ones, the last step. So high standards, of course. Know your people, give them a lot of trust, give them a lot of water. Third one's the hardest, and that is uh, let them lead. And that's where you have to. My kid is eight. We're, we're learning how to ride a bike. Sam, you know this process. I've met Lucas. I bet he can ride a bike by now. He's 35 or so. <laughs> yeah, he's getting there. Oh, it's, you <laughs> got to be patient. You got to be planning to take the training wheels off this weekend. Can't rush it. Can't rush it. Hardest part, as any parent knows, is, okay, I ride the bike, you watch. You ride the bike, and I hold the seat. And third step, yay. Got to let go of that seat. And that's the scary part. Look, your franchise, your culture is not what you say when you're on the stage in front of your people. Your culture is what your people talk about when you're not there. That's your culture. Do they cut corners? Do they 
happened to Alex Radford? Did they cost him enough to cover a shift to make sure it's covered? Um, how that franchise runs in your absence after a year or so, that's, there's your culture. Um, so, and the best ones to do that. We, and I've, I've met a ton of great franchisees through you guys. Um, it's really impressive what they do. And by the way, it is in, in journalism, we call about the daily miracle. The daily miracle is that we get out, basically publish a book every day in newspaper form and it gets on your front porch, you know, at eight o'clock in the morning. Well, what do you guys do? You guys feed how many hundreds, a thousand, whatever in a night. Um, it's a crazy number. Um, and you do it every night and there are no nights off. It's just crazy. Um, and I got to say, we are very loyal Domino's pizza family here. If when you, you want, if you want to bait my son, Domino, oh, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, let's back up just a little bit. You sure. talked about setting high standards and that, uh, the team practiced during the summer before. And once you set those high standards and you started having just incredibly difficult workouts, you know, running up and down the, the steps of the big house. And that's the Michigan stadium for you outsiders at one point during, uh, during the off season, everybody, including the coach had thrown up because the workouts were so hard. And then you went out to say, not only did nobody quit, but the team started to expand. And I think that's a real connection for our Domino's pizza listeners is that when you have high standards, when you hold them accountable to wearing their uniforms and making the pizzas correctly, not only are the people that you want going to stay, but they're going to start to attract their friends. And I think what people are, you know, all in a bunch about is that I'm not getting enough applications or people aren't walking in and, and wanting to work. I think the strongest teams at Domino's are being built from the inside out and people are recruiting each other. So talk more about how that worked and, you know, how the football players came to a practice one day and, and just couldn't believe what the hockey players were doing and, and how that created that strong culture for your time with the Ann Arbor River Rats. Exactly right. Look, you can recruit all you want. You don't really do the recruiting. You learn this very early on as a high school hockey coach. And I'm very confident it's the same with a Domino's franchise. And that is that your people recruit your people. Uh, and guess what? <clears throat> hardworking, good people hang out with hardworking, good people. And lazy jerks hang out with lazy jerks. So <laughs> if I hire the former, I, hey, you got friends? Yes, bring them down. All right. If you hire lazy jerks, you got friends? Yes. Please tell them not even to buy my pizza. <laughs> I don't want them anywhere near my store. All right. Nor you for that matter. So like, this is probably going to be your last day. <laughs> but uh, anyway, and when I talk to bigger companies about this, they say, oh, you know, okay, we could do it your way, but we can't get them all that way. Right. You don't want them all. The turnover is expensive. It's tiresome. It, it wears everyone out and it results in inconsistent pizzas, deliveries and so on. And more work for the person, the general manager. All right. All that. More work for them. Give me good people who stay. And guess what? High achievers want to get pushed. Maybe you're getting a college kid doing a side job or whatever. All right. But if he say, hey, look, man, this place is no joke. This guy knows what he's doing. This woman knows how to run a franchise. Then they start attracting better people. And now it starts getting easier and the turnover is less. You need fewer people. You need a ton of people when you get an attrition rate that we have. Um, you need fewer people if they stay. Very simple. So Man, do not, the, the temptation I know, and I get it, is to grab bodies. The, as you said earlier on, the labor market is not your friend right now. I understand. I see the numbers. 
I talk to the people and so on. One of my good friends is Ari Weinswig of Zingerman's Deli and 14 other companies they have. A huge operation, 700 million, something like that, I think. I, something crazy. Something crazy. I forgot what it was. But anyway, he says in his books, he says the temptation is to grab bodies. Once you grab bodies, you create nothing but problems. And here's why. Because that guy can't do the job. That's one problem. All right. Then the person who can do the job has got to mop up for that guy who can't do the job. That's two problems. Now you've diminished a better worker. Third problem is that better worker now is demoralized. You're just grabbing anybody. You're making my job harder. You must not value what I do. So all those reasons, grabbing bodies is tempting in the short run, but it's a drug and you're going to pay for it. The hangover's coming um, in terms of turnover and poor product and demoralization. So don't do it. That's all I can tell you. Work harder to find better people. So what I hear you saying, John, is that people that set high standards are really there for the enormous amount of pay, like a Navy SEAL. <laughs> That's right. It's right in the book, Drew. And the man has done his homework, Drew, so hats off, pal. He may be a New York Jets fan, but he's still a smart guy otherwise. So, uh, <laughs> Hey, Jets are going to jet. Everybody has to have their negative and their, their flaws. It's fine. Jets are going to jet. That's, yeah. the, Pistons, the Detroit Pistons in the NBA are going to set a record this year, the longest losing streak. That is an anthropological study in failed leadership right there. That's, that's not, it's impossible to lose 22 straight games in the NBA. They, they set it up so you can't, but they are. So, okay, we all, we all have our burdens to... Our, our crosses the bear, no question. But yeah, the Navy SEALs, I mean, look, the people who are most motivated, money is almost never the reason they're truly motivated, are motivated. Uh, the Navy SEALs average pay is 54000 when I checked it two years ago. It might be the hardest job in the world. They take 6%. Why? They don't deny that it's hard. They don't apologize that it's going to be hard. They brag about it being hard. It is hard. And I, my advice to Domino's franchisees is, don't tell them how easy and fun it's going to be because it's not always going to be easy and fun. Say, look, this is amazingly demanding. You only have one or two trips per delivery car. I didn't know that until I started working with you guys. That's impressive. All right. And how many people working at Domino's? Not that many to pump out that much product, which is a high quality product these days. All right. That's going to, that's going to be a challenge. What you get is a lot of cool stuff, but they really want a sense of achievement that my time here is not wasted, that I'm learning something, that our, that our work here matters. And one of the early, <laughs> I showed Teddy uh, getting so jacked up on the video. And you can play that one if you want. When Sam Fowser gave him a, the Lego version, of course, of the Domino's franchise, which is our friends, of course, in Lansing. You know that one, that store very well. Uh, you can fill in the blanks for us in a second here. But uh, uh, Teddy went, oh, my God. I mean, just went nuts for 30 seconds. And I'm not even doing it justice. And then we got a video of him on the store tour. At the same store in Lansing with his buddies, delivering a pizza, the parking lot to my wife in her car uh, on a Zoom meeting uh, and how jacked up he was and just the incredible joy and enthusiasm and pride in his pizza that he made. You're not selling pizza. You're selling joy. You're selling a reward. You're selling a treat at the end of a hard week. You're selling peace for the parents. Man, it's the easiest thing in the world for me to do is get online here and your website works very well. All right, order pizza and man, we just solved three problems here at our house. So that's what you're selling. And you pump out so many, you can forget that. But sell that to the people who might want to work there. And chances are they already eat your pizza. They know about the joy factor. Get those guys. Yeah, I think that joy factor is so big. I'm, uh, you know, as we're recording today, I'm, I'm somewhere lost in the South Pacific. And I was at uh, one of the army bases here on the islands. 
working in the store and these kids are coming through the door. And when I say kids, I mean, our, our fine men and women that, of the U.S. Army walking into the store there and they've all got long faces. And as soon as you say, hey, how's your day going? You, you know, you're about to get pizza and they perk right up and it makes the day go by faster. It makes those long 8, 10, 12, 14 hour shifts just seem to go faster when you start to realize that it's not just 15, 20, 25 dollars walking through the front door. It's an actual human being. And what you're putting inside that pizza box is happiness. You know, I love when you got up in St. Louis and when you got up in Las Vegas at the DFA meeting and reminded these guys that you're not selling pizzas, you're you're selling happiness. And I think that when we do it five, six, seven days, 20 days, 30 days in a row, we start to forget that just how much happiness can come from a little round slice of dough and some sauce and some cheese. And, and, you know, I I think that's a really, really strong message. And it should be a message that we're using when we're creating that culture inside our store and and trying to get more people. Exactly. Don't just do it. It pays this. Here are the hours. All right. That's mere transactional. And at that point, we're we're dealing with human robots. You don't want that. Hey, I'd ask, do you eat Domino's pizza? Can you give me a Domino's pizza memory? And sell that stuff. Absolutely. You, uh, you raised some other good points that we talked about in Vegas about the happiness factor, of course. Uh, guys who are fixing, you know, fighter jets and so on, and a pizza perks them up. Um, it's just amazing how that happens. In uh, Las Vegas and St. Louis, I talked about my kid. He's born in 2015. I'm a late starter, as you can see. Uh, Sam is younger than I am, and his kid's in his 30s, so that's where I'm supposed to be. But anyway, uh, look, that night at the University of Michigan Hospital here in Ann Arbor, there are 24 births. I asked, because I know the chair of pediatrics, I asked her. 24 births that day. And I want two things. I want to go to a hospital that they have 24 births. No big deal. We do it all the time. We know exactly what we're doing. Everyone's calm. Everyone's professional. And I also want them at the same time, paradoxically, to realize we're doing this once. And I can break down every hour of those 24 hours that Teddy was born. Because my wife assured me I've got an only child. And she was very clear about this. She was 41, I was 51, so that's where we were. Uh, but I want both things. And I kind of want the same thing from Domino's. Okay, you're not giving birth. You're giving joy, I think. I want a place that can crank out several hundred pizzas a night, all right? And realize we're doing this once a week, all right? And it's a big deal. And it's our kid's birthday or, you know, tough week. So this is a consolation prize. Or put a, put a flag on something that we succeeded with. Or we just want some, a night off, all right? But for us, it's a big deal. Our mutual friend, Jeremy Hill, who you met in uh, St. Louis. He's awesome. Love Jeremy. Jeremy's big thing is that we need to rehumanize the experience when it comes to Domino's Pizza. We're too transactional. We are just trying to clear our make line screen and get the pizzas in and get them out. And we forget that they're going to human being. You know, I love your 24 births and, and, and you and Christy only had one. I tell that to kids all the time on the make line. You know, this is one of a hundred pizzas you're going to see this hour. It could be the only pizza that that customer on the other end sees for the day, the week, the month, who knows how frequently they order. But it's so important that we remember that we're, we're dealing with and we are feeding human beings. Right. And I mean, Tom Monahan is a friend of mine. I think a friend of yours also. He had a great phrase. Is that how many businesses let you into their home. How many, how many businesses feed you? What, what you produce goes in some, somebody's mouth, man. <laughs> I mean, this is a deeply personal business and you can't forget that. It can't just become widgets. And along those lines, look, 
I'll say it here because screw it. You ever been into a McDonald's lately? The new model is no humans, basically. And my son and I went there and you don't talk to anybody. There's no eye contact. There's, no, there's not one word exchange. It's all on the screen. You punch it out. You throw it in there. Teddy and I are waiting at our table with our number up for 12 minutes. And it's getting late on the school night. This is about 8.15, 8.20 after a hockey thing. And uh, I'm looking at the watch. You know, we need to get him a shower. We need to get him to bed. And finally, a customer tells me, dude, your food's in the counter. And it's not supposed to be. They're supposed to deliver to your table. But I needed a customer to tell me that. All right. How many more minutes would I have waited otherwise? So, all right. McDonald's is going with the anti-human approach. What is Chick-fil-A doing? What is Culver's doing? All right. I see a lot of people there and they're not fast. Chick-fil-A and Culver's are not fast. Uh, convenience is not the thing there. Where's the line? The line at McDonald's or is the line at Chick-fil-A and Culver's? All right. Going with the anti-human approach is not a winner long term. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know that McDonald's wants to be anti-human. They're just playing the numbers game as well. And you know, when we talk about leadership and the importance of it, unfortunately, I spend a lot of times in McDonald's drive-throughs and the experiences without ever talking to the manager, you can tell what kind of leader they are. Very quickly. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 immediate. You can tell by the smile or lack thereof on the person that's either handing your food or trying to deliver you an experience. And it's not, you know, Chick-fil-A is doing a much better job of it across the board. I mean, it's just, it's, it's night and day, but I have gone through the occasional McDonald's where there's a happy smiling face there and somebody that engages you. And that's got to do with the leadership and their selection process and training. How did they get through the system? How did they get through the filter? Just kidding. <laughs> Sorry, but I do, I do encounter good, good McDonald's and good people. McDonald's. Good franchisees hire good people who do good, good work. You absolutely can find that, no question. And I have. Uh, the one in West Branch is particularly good, for example. West Branch, Michigan, I go there occasionally. But there's one very close to our Domino's franchise here in Ann Arbor, which I call the unhappiest McDonald's in the world. We did it two or three times with Teddy after karate on the way home. It took 20 minutes. No one talked to us. And I finally said, you know, I already paid, you know, we're getting out of line because this is ridiculous. Uh, I, I could make a burger at home faster than this um, and a better one. Um, so it's amazing how inconsistent that is. If you're going to play the numbers game, that's what you're competing with. And you don't want to be the place that takes everybody. You want to have some standards and it spreads. It's the, the culture grows. As my mentor, Al Clark at Culver Academies in Indiana, winning this hockey coach in America, by the way, he said, if they know they to do something that not everyone's willing to do just to be on the team, with a little encouragement, they will begin instilling the culture themselves. So you can't be there at the store all night and day. Uh, people you trust have got to be. And if you hire the right people, they will start making, no, no, that, the bubble, I've seen you guys work. The bubble, that, that one's a, that's a staff pizza. That one's, that one's not going out. That has to be enforced by them, not by you. And that's where it comes from. That ties back to your culture part about uh, what people talk about when you're not there, right? Because in both of these examples, the leadership of, Chick-fil-A is very clearly what their culture is top to bottom, almost every location you're going to, it's harder to find a bad location than it is to find a good one. Whereas with something like your McDonald's, it's the opposite. It's the whole scope of it, right? One good leader can make one good experience and you get that one good location. But if you build that entire culture, you have so many more opportunities to grow the team and so many more opportunities to, to, to make a difference. Well, we already seen some great franchises and they've been able to duplicate it. Uh, Dan and Emily in St. Louis, that whole two or three state region, 
Mike in Utah and Hawaii. Uh, you might be there right now. I don't know, Sam. I am. Here we go. No accident. And, and they keep on making great franchise, franchises out of this. So you can duplicate it. You know, you talked about the importance of building that culture from within. So they do it when you're not there. You know, Domino's Pizza Store is open seven days a week. Some of them as many as 365 days a year. And if you're the leader, certainly you could choose to be there every hour that it's open. But that would be a pretty dumb decision. You did something quite unorthodox with your Ann Arbor River Rats, and that's you let the team actually coach a game all by themselves. Tell us about how that came about, why you decided to do it, and uh, and how the how the guys do actually coaching a game. Man's done his homework. Thank you very much. Let them lead. He's been over the book once or twice. So our first year, the team I took over was zero twenty two and three. If you non sports fans, the zero is where the wins go. Okay, 22 is losses, three is ties. That was our saving grace, I guess. I hired the worst player in school history. A6 games, and here in uniform, zero goals, and I played forward. So there we are. Uh, worst combination in the world, worst player in school history, worst team in America. There we go. First year, we won seven games, which is for us great. We had a 10-game losing streak in the middle. That was the best coaching I ever did. Uh, keeping the wheels on, guys working hard, not giving up. That was hard. Uh, second year, we are 16-9-2. We're getting good. We're a top 10 team now. Third year, we're on fire. We're 17-4-5. We're number 53 in the nation. We passed 97% in three years. We had a 14-game winning streak, a bit of a flip from our 10-game losing streak just two years earlier. Same players, didn't cut anybody from the previous team. But we finally lose a game to state champion Trenton, 3-2. Can't beat those guys yet. We lose to our arch-rival Ann Arbor Pioneer across town. 3-0. They had a an 18-year-old goalie from Finland with a full beard. I swear that's cheating. This guy was good. <laughs> we fired 35 shots and that guy, nine power plays. We got all-state players on offense now. We can't get one past this guy. He was, I mean, hats off, kid. Uh, kid, whatever. <laughs> I'm looking for the investigation. So after a 14-game winning streak, we've now lost two in a row. And any head coach gets paranoid. I'm sure franchisees and general managers do too. Okay, is this a slide or what? Um, so we had a ranked team coming in, top 10 team. We were better than they were, but not by a lot. Riverview. And I called my captain the night before the game, Chris Fragner, who's now my financial advisor, by the way. And I said, uh, all right, tomorrow night, captain, you players, you seniors, sorry, are going to coach the entire game tomorrow night. And he says, what does that mean? I say, you're going to find out. <laughs> so they get to the rink all on time. They were always on time. The dry erase board is empty. There's no line up there. There's no strategy. There's no motivational anything. We have a score sheet empty. It hasn't been filled out. I said, seniors, pick 20 guys to put in uniform, five guys to start. In hockey games, you've got to change on the fly, which means a right winger comes off. A right winger's got to go on during play. You've got to be very organized for that. You guys are going to have to handle all that. And after the game, you, not I, will talk to the Ann Arbor News. So I hope you win. When you lose, talking to them really sucks. And these guys could have lost this game. And if they did, it's my fault, not theirs. They won 6 nothing, And the impressive part was not the 6, one of our best games. Um, the impressive part was the 0. Uh, anyone can deliver one great pizza, great, right? Can you get through a whole night without one bad one? That's the hard part. Defense is much harder than offense. Offense, one guy does a good thing, great. Defense is nobody ever screws up. That's much harder. And that's, you're in the defense game, obviously. You got to make a great pizza. But it's really not making the bad ones, not being 20 minutes late, all that stuff. And uh, 
And after the game, the Ann Arbor News said, if Bacon keeps on making these decisions, he's going to be out of a job. That was the idea. <laughs> so you want to be able to the franchisee to go on vacation for a week and not worry that the place is on fire. And that's the culture you create when you empower your people. They're more likely to show up, more likely to feel accountable to each other, not just to you. If it's you versus them, you lose. All right, they'll find ways to undermine you. It's got to be accountable to each other. Everybody, all your friends in the store are counting on you. That's a much greater motivation. Let's go back to the fabulous, best coaching job you did in that 10-game losing streak <laughs> for a second. Because generally speaking, inside the restaurant, it's about results. And results are all that matter. What I hear you saying, though, is that the effort might matter more. You are hearing correctly. Look, you don't control the economy. You don't control what Domino's National and the corporate does. You don't control a lot of things. You don't control what Chick-fil-A does or how much money your customers have in their pocket. All these things. Uh, you control your behaviors. So I always say in this book, of course, be very impatient with behaviors and be more patient with the results. If you hire a new person, take them a little while to make a, make a pie the way you guys want. All right. It's, and frankly, it take how many weeks really to have see enough things to know exactly how it's done. Although I got to say your system is damn good. My son first try age seven at the time made a fine pie and he's very proud of it. We got a fine picture of him beaming with his uh, 10 inch personal pizza right there. So, uh, but you focus on behaviors, you control behaviors every single day, every hour, you don't control results. All right. If the football, if it rains at a football game, does that result, you know, create more or less business? Depends. Graduations, all this stuff, you don't control it. But you do control who shows up, who shows up on time, what kind of work they do, what kind of attitude they have, how they treat the customers, how do they treat each other, right? How carefully they, I've, I've done the thing, I don't know what you call that thing. What do you call that thing? The rocker blade. The rocker blade. The rocker blade kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Not the uh, wheelie thing. <laughs> That's gone. Come on. Loser talk right there. The wheelie thing and the rocker thing. Yeah, well, no one's hiring me for technical expertise. We've clarified this part. But anyway, uh, but all that you control, that's if you better control every night. And don't be fooled. You made a lot of money one night, but people got a crappy attitude and they're up a little late. And the pie is okay, but not great. You're not going to maintain those results. That's, that's done over time. All right? It's maintenance versus building. You got to paint the bridge to make sure it doesn't rust. And no one gives you a lot of credit for painting the bridge. But that's how it doesn't rust. And that is everyday business. I mean, that stuff all sounds great. And it, it sounds like it's real easy to say. What if your hockey team went out and got blown out 16 to 2 or something? Oh. Are you still going to tell them, <laughs> hey, you did a great effort? Well, we got a story about that, don't we? So we won our first three games our first season, which in one week, we totaled the number of wins the two previous years. That's how bad we were. As my dad said, when I took the job, well, you know, when you're on the floor, you can't fall out of bed. So thanks, Dad, for that motivational pep talk. But anyway, so we win three games. We have to play Almighty Trenton. Uh, they've won 14 state titles. Might be the best program in America. And we get crushed, crushed. Doesn't even describe it. 13 to 2. And I'll remind you people, it's not football. That's not two touchdowns and a safety. These are goals. It's a very long, tedious evening. By the end of that night, I know their damn fight song, Drew. It's, there you go. So, so that's how bad it was. After the game, I go in the locker room and then we based our whole program on only two things, not results. We measured a lot of things. We kept track of results. I care about results. I'm a stats guy, analytics, all that. We posted that on the, on the wall. After every game, 15 stats per player, 20 players. All right, that's 300 stats per game we kept. That's pretty intense. 
but we didn't talk about those things that much. We didn't get mad about those things. We got, only got emotional about behaviors. Two rules. Work hard. Support your teammates. That's it. And I promised them when we took over, we'd be the hardest working team in the state of Michigan. But if you do those two things, work hard and support your teammates, I'm going to be happy. I'll back you. And then they call your bluff. You get crushed 13 to 2. Like Sam said, now what? So I get in there and they're grumbling and saying this sucks and we're worse than last year. And so on. I say, hey, eyeballs up here. What are the two, you know, we got our butts handed to us by the state's best team on a silver platter. I cannot spin this for you. That's where they are, where we are, right? But our program is not based on victories. It's based on values. What are our values? And they mumble, work hard, support your teammates. No, no, no. Let's yell it like we always have. <laughs> you yell this back and forth for six, seven months by now. And then I say, okay, great. Did you guys do those two things tonight? And they think about it and they said, yeah, actually we did. Actually you did. I said, you guys were back checking down 10, nothing in the third period, back checking hard, every going hard to the bench. No one coasted. They started coasting when they were by 10. I, I understand why, but you didn't. That's more impressive. Did you support your teammates? Yeah, I think we did. Actually you did. No one put any fingers, the defense for not, you know, letting in so many goals for the offense for not scoring enough, the goalie, et cetera. We got a protocol after every goal. And thank God we had this. We used it a lot that night. After you get scored against, you do three things. You support the goalie by tapping his pads or his helmet and giving him some encouraging words. You get your head up and you fight to get it back. Did you do that tonight? Yes, we did. You did. 65 times. Five guys in the ice, team goals against. That's 65 chances to support or not support your goalie. You did it 65 times. They quit high-fiving each other. We define ourselves. Don't let the economy define your store. Don't let the local circumstances of your town define your store. Right? Your performance, your behaviors define yourself. And I said, walk out of here, your head held high. I'm proud of you. And that, that launched a 10-game losing streak. We got closer and closer. They didn't give up. They didn't point fingers. We finally won four more games at the end. And now we got a story. And I drew on those 10 games the rest of my coaching saying, look, I've seen what that looks like. So have you. And if we can handle that, we can handle anything. So the winner, man, when you're, when you're riding high and the economy is good, okay. Uh, it's not it's not that hard in many ways. Right, when it's COVID, uh, all this other stuff, you don't control that. How'd your how'd your franchises handle that? They handled it well, then that's your finest hour. I don't care what your numbers were. All right. Did you keep it together? Yes, you did. All right, that's impressive. So you always focus on behaviors, which we control, and results we monitor. We try to tweak the formula. We try to okay, where can we do better? We we take it seriously, but I don't get emotional about those things. I get emotional about showing up on time, dressed and ready to work. And as I told my high school hockey players, my five-year-old kid can do that. I bet you can. I think that's really important. One of the big results that we're looking for at Domino's Pizza is our service times and how quickly can we get the customers the pizzas. And on those nights that we have a loss, for lack of a better term, I think it's important that we focus on two things as well. And that's, you know, one, did we make great pizzas, even though they were getting there later than we thought? And number two, did we smile at the customer? So I think if we looked at that with our teams and we focused on those efforts, that the results would come around sooner or later. So I love that a lot. I've heard that, you know, you tell this story a couple of times and it just occurred to me that it's a great tie-in for our guys at Domino's. You know, did you make great pizzas and did you smile all night at the customer and make their experience as good as it possibly could be, even though it was longer than it should be? So I love that, John. That's, that's, uh, that's a great tie-in. 
Well, and think about that two-star deliveries, and you can add a third one there. Did the driver do everything within his or her control? Get the pizza there in time. You get traffic. I mean, if you're in Chicago or you know a town like that, okay, it's six o'clock at night. It's gonna be a problem, and and you can't drive unsafely. You can't encourage crazy behavior. Did we do all everything we could to get the pizza there on time? Is there construction? We know about it. Things like that. And that then that's all you can do. My son, by the way, just passed out flyers this morning for his concert at lunch recess. His band he named House Fires, and they're gonna have silly songs about deck the halls and so on with words changed. And the kid made 18 flowers this morning. We copied them and he handed them out this morning. And I gave him Teddy Roosevelt's great mantra, and he's named for Teddy Roosevelt, by the way. His name is Teddy. Uh, that is not the critic that counts, it's the man in the arena. That if you if you spend yourself in a worthy cause, everything else is gravy. All right, it's all we can do. Did everyone here work hard tonight at Domino's? Did everyone here support your teammates? Did all we could? You're going to get a flat tire. I'm sorry, you are. All right? And we don't control that, uh, but we fight through it. Um, if we did all that, then I'm cool. And if we had an easy night, we could have done better, then I'm not so cool. Yeah, the numbers are great. Right? Did you smile at all the customers? No. Well, we're going to have fewer customers next time. So even though tonight was great, long term, gonna, we're going to pay for this. So you focus on behaviors always, 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 especially in this business. Well, John, great stuff as always. Mm -hmm. Can't thank you enough for taking time out of your very busy schedule. Uh, I know your phone's been ringing off the hook lately uh, with our Michigan Wolverines and, and their amazing season. And hopefully by the time this airs, they are uh, another win towards our first national championship since 1997. But uh, always a pleasure to have you on and uh, continued success with both the book and the podcast. Let them lead. And uh, we hope we hear from you again soon. Love to have to give the shout out, by the way, to our mutual friend, Eric Arnson, Abby, the great folks in Lansing who made a great experience for Teddy and his buddies. By the way, with that tour of for five kids, they made life you guys made about a million dollars. Those five guys aren't going to need anything else the rest of their lives. They, well, they've seen it up close. They're glued to it. And I want to close with Tom Monahan's great quote when I interviewed him for one of my books. <clears throat> he said, look, I started Domino's Pizza as a labor of love. I thought that's how you should run a company as a labor of love. And like you said, don't just become robots and all that. Bring the human side back, Jeremy Hill. Uh, that's what I like to do. I know you guys are doing that as well with the franchisees. And when you do that, the, the product's already great. The systems are already great. It's set up for success, right? We have to add the human element. If you do that right, and man, you're, uh, you're on your way. John, thanks a million. Uh, listen, if franchisees are interested in getting a hold of you, how would they go about doing that? Sure. Uh, johnubacon.com, got a way to contact us. Let them lead by bacon.com. Another way to contact us. Um, so johnubacon.com, piece of cake. And you can also reach me through you, Sam Fowser. Sam and I have often worked together on these things. In fact, we've always worked together on these things. Only met a couple. <laughs> uh, but I've gotten very good, by the way, of screening my clients, frankly. I like doing more work for fewer clients. I'm old enough, I can do that. Um, I'd rather do more work and get to really know a company and do deeper work with people I like and care about. And that way you start your speech on second base, which is more fun also. Um, yeah. So that's been a lot of fun. That's awesome. You've mentioned a couple of times now that you're old enough, and I think I'd be remiss <laughs> if I didn't welcome starting uh, or, uh, December 21st someone to the Half Century Club 
And that's my co-host, Drew, who turns 50 years old tomorrow. Oh, my God. I don't know anybody that old, yeah. Drew. I don't know anybody that old. Yeah. Still yeah. the youngster on the podcast, though. <laughs> Still the youngster on the podcast. He's got a bright future that Drew does. Just yeah, yeah. And, and John, it, just you know. for you, youngster you on the podcast. And yes. my youngest son turned legal to, to drink this past Saturday. So this guy's turning 50, I'm 59. His kid is 21. My kid's eight. This is the world I live in. My dad is 91. Talking yesterday, my kid is eight. So yeah. That's a spread there. That's a spread, yeah. yeah. Can, I got stories. I got stories. <laughs> All right, my friend. Best of luck to everything. Thank you so much for joining us again. It was a yeah, thanks, John. complete sure. pleasure. And one last thing, I've got my own podcast. Uh, Let them lead by bacon.com. Been a lot of fun coming out about once a week about leadership. So check that one out as well. Hey, thanks so much, gang. You have been listening to episode number 123 of Drew and Sam Talk Training. Had a small little break. That's what it is called still. Still called Drew and Sam Talk Training. Holy cow. Hey, wishing you all the uh, merriest of Christmases. If that's your thing, happy holidays for the rest of all of you. Uh, as always, I am Sam with Fowler Consulting. And I am Drew with Better Than Yesterday Consulting. Share us, like us, follow us, subscribe so that we can have more fabulous guests like John U. Bacon on this little pod. It is the gift that keeps on giving. Make sure you give it to someone this holiday season. Thanks so much, hey gang. As always, go out and sell more pizza. And have more fun. That's all, folks.